Welcome to the Double Blue Podcast, episode number 19. Mike Hogan and Jeff Johnson with you. Sorry, the playoff edition of the Double Blue Podcast. Marcus Ball will join us in a little bit. Hmm, that's interesting. What's up, JJ? What's happening, buddy? Jeff Johnson, of course, broadcast partner on the Argo Games. Boom. Um, this is interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start the interview with Marcus uh, with this angle. We're not allowed to talk to injured players if we're in the media. We're not allowed to. So you're trying to tell us something? Just saying. <laughs> would, would that not be indicative? And I asked Coach Trustman about it, and uh, he expects him to go. He said he was, he, he's – hang on, let me get this pro. He's hopeful that he's able to go. Okay. Early this week, he was not with the helmet, but he was on the field, which is remarkable. Yes. And I talked to one player who had a similar injury, and he is blown away at how quickly uh, Marcus has – return to form so to speak not a hundred percent but hopefully close enough to play that's it's it's remarkable what he went through where he is now well hoagie's uh one tough dude Mm -hmm. right and uh this is november yes oh yeah this is november tape it up and Sometimes it's pretty incredible what the mind can uh, can can do, right? And and physical ailments that you know what guys' bodies are just they're becoming more and more debilitated as the season yeah. continues. And in Marcus's case, obviously there was a very acute issue, um, but he knows where he wants to be. He knows what he wants to do, and the body will find a way. Everybody else. Touchwood is healthy at this stage of the season, which is remarkable. Yes, uh, when you look at the starters, um, as healthy as can be. Well, sure, yeah, yeah. Nobody's one hundred percent at this no. stage of the season just because of the aches and pains. Every team's how, in the same situation. How much does this bye week help then? Just the little stuff. Oh, it's massive. Mm-hmm. It's massive. You know, uh, from a mental standpoint, the opportunity to just get, put your feet up and focus on X's and O's. Focus on, okay, what can I do better? Look at the possible teams that you could be playing and breaking down who your opponent could be across from you. Uh, you know, some time to just think about maybe how you've done things for the past several weeks. Thinking, okay, when a team's looking at me on film, what are they seeing? What have I done consistently over the last three weeks? And what could I do differently this week that's going to throw them off their preparation? And, you know, just coming into the game with that kind of mindset. And that's going to help give you the upper hand, right? But having a week to be able to take Just, the time to digest some of that mm-hmm. is huge. And, I mean, that's from a mental standpoint. From a physical standpoint, I mean, it obviously speaks volumes. The guys aren't running. Their mm-hmm. body has another week to recover, uh, to feel more fresh. And, uh, you know, uh, frankly, get ready for uh, crunch time. Well, and again, uh, to start the week on Wednesday, um, Mark Tressman met the media and I asked him about film work. How much do you do on Saskatchewan? How much do you do on Ottawa? And he basically said, um, not much. We're not going to waste time. And this is an opportunity now for self-evaluation, to do that self-check yeah. on video. And the other thing that Trespin said uh, on Wednesday, which was was a little odd, because when you watch that game on television um, from Vancouver, yes, it looked like everything was chugging, everything was great. Like a pasting. Yes. He, yeah. said, uh, he said there was a lot wrong on video. Mm-hmm. He said there was, and, and Ricky Ray echoed the, the comments that we got away with a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I guess that's, you know, kind of, that's where the talent of this team is. 
where they can make mistakes and still get away with it, which is going to be tougher to do in the playoffs than you do in the regular season. Um, and and Trustman admitted he was kind of surprised when he looked at the video that there was as much wrong as there was, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because you're not going into the playoffs overconfident. It's like, okay, we sure. can do this, yeah. but we are still a long way away from playing a pristine football game when, to the naked eye, uh, Saturday looked pretty damn good. Right, but I mean, keep in mind they were – Playing against a, pro, you know, it seemed to be a less than motivated football team, especially after the first quarter, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They just uh, they were somewhat deflated, and yeah. you take that performance that the Argos put up and put it against a a, a very good football team, um, which is who they're likely going to face uh, in the Eastern Final, um, and they get exposed, mm-hmm. right? A performance where you're not, uh, you know, you're not dotting your I's and crossing your T's and, and, you, and you're falling off on the little things, mm-hmm. you're going to get exposed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you know, to Tressman's point, that's that's huge. It's a gut check. It's a, hey, guys, we, you know, that score does not, is not indicative of how that game really went. Sure. And um, we need to be better, right? But that's the game of football. That's what makes it so great. You're always trying to improve your, you know, and again, that week to reflect and look internally, each individual guy, it's a perfect opportunity to do that and to, to try and, and refine and, and, you know, just make sure you're, you're taking care of those fundamentals, taking care of the little things, because that lays the, the groundwork uh, for that that sweetness that's on top of it, right? But mm-hmm. you've got to be right with the little things first. Do you remember any games when you look back on video and there's no such a thing as a perfect game, but are there one or two games that come to the mind? Uh, it could be regular season, could be playoffs, where you think, man, as a team, that was about as well-executed a game as, as one could possibly imagine. Oh, geez. Well, I mean... Uh... Because players and coaches by nature are critical of themselves sure. it's like okay i can do that better i can do that better yeah so it's a difficult question but everybody's graded out i mean every game yeah so. definitely well i'll tell you that 20 the uh the 2012 year mm-hmm. um now from a uh, a particular play standpoint i just want to talk about one play and sure. then we can get bigger bigger okay. picture after that mm-hmm. but from one play uh, it was the semi-final the eastern semi-final in montreal uh, sorry, the Eastern, the Eastern Final. Semi, the Eastern Final yeah. Montreal or the semifinal against when, when Mon- Edmonton. Edmonton? It was the semifinal okay. against Edmonton. And the Eskimos had one of the best defensive lines yes. in the CFL that year. They were overpowering everybody. Joe Appel started at right guard. That's right. That Joe Appel started at the best game of his career. No question. And uh, But the particular play I'm talking about is uh, it was a punt return. And... We knew that Edmonton did a certain thing on their punt that would indicate whether they were going to kick cross field or not. Um, they thought it was a secret. We found it on film. Oh, It was a certain little sign that uh, Bertrand was making, and, and we knew which way they were going to kick the ball. And who, who, found, who found it? Well, we... we to no, go, be honest, I mean, it, I don't know. It, 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 it wasn't me. It was, you know what? We were just collaborating, talking. It was conversation. It was, it was, it was Osh that would have found it. And, sure. Um, and we figured it out, and we said, okay, when Bertrand does a you know, specific movement with his hands... But he was keying. Right? He was keying, yeah. and, and he would yell something out. It, we knew it was going cross-field. And they thought it was a big secret, so we were looking for that. And on this particular play, the ball was somewhere down on uh, you know, Edmonton's 25-30. They were punting. It was from, uh, from our right hash, and Bertrand made the signal. And I remember how many times we went over this in film. Mm-hmm. In terms of what we were going to do, what was the reaction? What was the chain of communication down the line? So we saw the signal. I said to the guys to my right, to Matt Black. I said to the guys to my left. The chain of communication went down the line. You know, we had a signal for for CO that was on the back end, mm-hmm. and that it was going the other way. 
He didn't move right away until the ball was kicked. He moved. We did a bunch of action on the front line indicating that, you know, uh, we, you know, we didn't see it. And essentially, the way it came together was almost like a perfect play. CO ended up taking it back to the house. We scored a huge uh, touchdown. It was a massive momentum shift. Oh, that was, that was the key play in that game, without question. Um, it got you going. They scored first in that game, didn't you? And then you put up 35 in the second quarter. Yes, like but it, it was, was after. But that that momentum that was the shift, one that right? Got it, going. it was yeah. huge, and uh, but so the fact of how beautiful it was is, you know, it was the team just came together as a unit during the week in preparation. We were spending time after practice, and this is what the guys are going to be doing now. They're mm-hmm. going to be spending time after practice, not with the coaches together, mm-hmm. right? And you know, it, it, it was you know guys huddled with veterans huddled with younger guys and say, okay, does this make sense to you? You know. It, is this message getting resonating with you, right? Because the message might resonate with one guy, but it might be heard differently by somebody else. And making sure that everybody's on the same page, and it was just beautiful the way it all came together. And when it, you know, when it clicks, it's a beautiful thing. I just want to uh, to mention here that the uh, East Final is going to be played November the nineteenth. We know that. We don't know who it's against. It will be against Ottawa or Saskatchewan. Uh, this has us written all over it, but sadly, we do have to work. Breakfast tailgate at nine a.m. I'll be there at 8.30. Got to work. <laughs> Got to work. <laughs> That's the only bad thing about doing the job that we do. Yes. I've never been to the tailgate. Because, you know. You've never been? No, because we're no. there early. You know what? You were not supposed to go? If you, we should do the pregame show from there once. You have never seen a guy with funny glasses and a fake mustache on? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, just, we'll, we'll be like the movie Airplane. We'll get that inflatable pilot and we'll put two of them in our seats in yeah. case anybody comes up and is looking for us. And just we'll put, we'll put a light on saying that we're on the air and people won't. Yeah, we can just, just set up a mic down from the yeah, tailgate. That'll yeah. work. Uh, but uh, yeah, the kickoff is at 1 o'clock and the breakfast tailgate starts at 9. And uh, I, I, I said something on our last podcast that has been picked up by Argo fans and we'll get into that in the third segment. Uh, but when we come back, uh, we've got Marcus Ball joining us. And then uh, in the final segment, we'll talk about um, the, the Ottawa, Saskatchewan, what's a better matchup for the Argonauts. And for Ottawa, what's it mean with the potential of playing in a game that you're hosting? Is there an intangible element to that? We'll uh, get into that as we continue with the Double Blue Podcast, Episode 19. That's Jeff Johnson. I'm Mike Hogan. And welcome back to the Double Blue Podcast. Mike Hogan with you. Jeff Johnson has left the building momentarily and will return and we'll get you ready for the East Final and then uh, maybe get some more bums in the seats for that as well. Joining me now, though, Marcus Ball. Now, how are you doing, sir? I'm great, Mike. How are you doing? Good. Because, see, the reason I ask this is there's a team policy that we're not supposed to speak to guys if they're on the injured list. Now, you have been on the injured list. Right. Normally, you wouldn't be able to talk to me unless you were coming off the injured list. Is there good news on the uh, on the horizon? Is that what they're trying to tell me? Uh, coach asked me to do it mm-hmm. to, to to this to do this interview, and uh, you know, I'll do it if Coach asked me to do it. Beginning of the week, Mark Trussman said he's hopeful that you'll be ready for the uh, for the East Final. Do you do you agree? Are you optimistic, overly optimistic, maybe, and just anxious to go? Uh, very much so. I'm very hopeful uh, as well. I'm very anxious as well, but I would not rush anything. Uh, I would do all everything the trainers and uh, team doctors ask of me and uh, tell me to do. Uh, if, if it comes up, uh, absolutely, I'll be ready. I'll be ready to go. High ankle sprain? Is that technically what it was? Uh, to be honest, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not in the position to tell you. So you're not going to tell me exactly what te- the issue? Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, but. Uh, 
yeah, but uh, hopefully uh, I'll be back. I'll be ready. Because they, when we were told about the injury, they were saying if everything works out perfectly, he's going to be back for the playoffs. Has everything the doctor that you told you worked out perfectly? Are you a little ahead of schedule, maybe even? Uh, honestly, I'm just doing everything that the guys asked me to do in the training staff. Uh, they're doing an awesome job of strength, strength and conditioning as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, just coming into work every day and trying to get better and help, help any way I can with this team. And the best way I can help with this team is uh, going into rehab and, and attacking training uh, and, and doing doing my part there. You came back here, you started. You were playing phenomenally well this year, and then you get the injury. How frustrating is it knowing what you have to give, and now you're sitting back and, and you're trying to help as much as you can, but, man, you'd love to be out there. Absolutely. Uh, uh, I'm a baller. I love to play ball. I love this game. Uh, I'm very frustrated, very uh, down on myself for, you know, early early in the process, but uh, I still have goals. We still have goals. Uh, so... Long as those goals are out there, uh, I, I aim to achieve those. We're gonna we, get back. We, we're we, gonna, we'll get back to this year's team in a little bit. I want to talk to you about after you left here and you went down stateside. What was that like for you going back from playing, starting, starring, and then going back into that meat grinder that can be the NFL that that, that chews up a lot of guys? Uh, it was pretty. It was pretty fun. It was an awesome experience. Um, it was everything that we dream of as kids that want to go to that league and go mm-hmm. and go to those uh those teams and playing those you know, those games and meeting the, the players, meeting the coaches, meeting the fans, seeing how the fans. I mean, it's everything we dreamed of coming up. I won't I won't downplay it at all. I had my fun. I've been at the highest of the highest, and, and you know I've been on the lowest of the lows, and uh, I had my fun and experiences, and um I'm just I'm grateful for those experiences. What was the best part about going back home? Uh, Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to t- the Super Bowl. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Tell me. Um, Share the story. It was it was awesome to be to be, you know, one of the only two last two teams left in the Super Bowl. This is the biggest game of, in the world, uh sports sports event in the world. Uh and it felt very much like it for the from the week leading up Super Bowl week from uh from different, you know, energy at practice, from uh different media days and and you know, all all types of events and and you know uh, of things put together, parties or whatnot. You mm-hmm. know, it was all fun. It was all fun. Great, great times. How, how did you enjoy Media Day? Oh, it was really fun. Media Day <laughs> That's was bizarre, real, isn't it? Yeah, it was. It was a lot. I thought <laughs> I went into it thinking, you know, it would be, you know, on a scale of one to ten, probably eight or nine. This thing was fifteen off mm-hmm. the meter. Like it was. It was super fun. Uh, it was great. It was great. You know, relationship and, and uh, to get in there and, and, and mingle with the media and. and in a different aspect, not just the locker room, but I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's more in depth there. Absolutely. T- tell me about the game through your eyes. Uh, we let it slip. Uh, we let it slip through our hands. Uh, we were we were we were more prepared. We were a great team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played really good. We played well enough to win, but they were they were the better team that 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 day that night, and um, they came out victorious. They made more plays than we made uh, in in more critical times, and. Uh, even in even in the Super Bowl, that's what it comes down to. Honestly, it comes down to technique, fundamentals, and one or two plays here and there. When your numbers call, you know whether you execute execute or not. That's what it came down to, and they they made more plays. We uh, we, we always talk about the guys who win, right? And what that night is like, and the parties, and you hear about everybody at you know five in the morning still up and still letting it go. What's it like to be on the other end the night after? Not cool. Yeah, not fun. Like uh, do, do you do you do you congregate as a group? Does everybody kind of go off and do their own thing or? Yeah, you know, Mike, when when you're in that position and um and you're in the losing locker room, mm-hmm. 
the world just the world stops honestly and it's truly the guys in the locker room once once again and it's you know you, you get all the the fan love and the media love and everybody's kind of building you up you know pre, prior to the game when you know and uh once the game's over if you're not in the winning side of the locker room you know you're you're kind of just another another team so mm -hmm. and it and it brought us and it brought us even closer to deal with that some 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 guys have been there before but most guys haven't so uh, it was a, it was a bit of a shock and it was a you know it was a disappointment but at the same time you know once once we looked at as a team you know who we had in the locker room that we all had each other's back and we we looked back at some of the great accomplishments that we did you know accomplish and uh can't let that one loss overshadow it you're listening to the double blue podcast here on TSN 1050 I'm Mike Hogan along with Marcus Ball there are guys you know Cam Newton being one of them when when you lose you get criticized because you know, I I don't think at that level you ever have losing in the equation when you're preparing for the week, right? You're preparing, what do I have to do to win? And then that realization at some point in the game comes up and slaps you hard. Um, I, you know, it's it, 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 what did you learn about yourself going through that process? Because when you were up here, you saw what it was like to win. You saw that. You saw the, the what it's like after a championship win. Right, right. What did um, you learn about yourself? Uh, to be honest... You learn that you know what you learned from day one. That it's uh, it's only the guys in the locker room that that you're you're truly at battle with, and uh, that truly care about you and you should care about. And you know, uh, it's the memories and the, and the experiences through the guys in the locker room. Uh, from 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 learning from a learning from a, a big loss like that, it just puts you back to the drawing board. It extra mo mo motivates you extra, extremely more. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a uh, it's just. It's like it's like a tease, you know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. a tease, and uh, it teaches you either either you're willing to go back and you know go get that bite, put in that fight to get that extra bite, or mm -hmm. you know you just kind of let that prey get out of there. And um, some guys let it let it get out, and like I said, some guys get extra motivated from it and, and want to get right back to that position. So you show up here at the beginning of camp. Did the Argos come after you and pop, or did you say, "Hey, I'm available if you need me"? Well, Toronto is always a mutual interest, so uh, sure. You know, I think it was. I think it was mutually both ways. It was just a matter of timing. Mm -hmm. And the timing worked out. When you came up here, what'd you weigh? Uh, I don't remember. Because you want to, you want to put on some weight when you go back down south. Just different game down there. Like, were you a lot heavier than you wanted to be? Well, I was in. I was in a unique opportunity in a unique situations where some the one one team I was at one place I was at was you know kind of a put on more. Or another, and then went to another team, and it was kind of like you know take, take a some little off. off, take a little <laughs> off. So it's it's just a matter of you know whatever locker room you're walking into, you know what I mean. Just getting getting into the uh, value of the culture and the value of your body from uh, from those guys, and you know take it from there. So you had Jones when you were here before. Now you got Coach Chamberlain. Um, easy adjustment for you. Did uh, did you fit right into the system? Very very much similar, um, but. But two 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 total different guys, two total different coaches. Um, mm -hmm. Similar some ways, but um, but yeah. yeah Give me a was, similar. Was, what's what's similar between the two? Uh, fiery. Um, yeah. Fiery. Uh, loud. Loud. <laughs> <laughs> and they um, you know, they they ask and they receive, you know, the best out of guys. You mm -hmm. know, they know they know they specific ways and special ways of getting the best out of guys and pulling the best out and. You know, that's something I can respect and appreciate from both those coaches. What's the biggest difference for you schematically? Like difference playing for Jones at the will as opposed to playing for Corey? Um, that I can't tell. I can't really spill that. Uh, okay. I don't, I don't think there's any 
you know, obvious differences that I can, you know, off the top of my tongue say. But sure, you know, two different, like I said, two different coaches. Some some similarities in the scheme, but I mean, each game that things change. So you know, what I mean, it's it's just a matter of who we playing. What's your definition of leadership? Hmm. Leadership will be somebody who's you know disciplined, who's someone who's you know who accepts that role, mm-hmm. accepting of the role. Someone who's um, you know who, who can lead by example, who lead by vocal, who can lead you know any way possible, but leading you know by doing everything the right way, and uh, you know helping helping others get better, you know taking others along the ride. You know you not you know you're never alone in you know, anything you do in life, you're never alone. Mm-hmm. You always need a helping hand. And um, I just think a leader is someone who usually grabs that helping hand or lends out a helping hand. You know, either way it goes, you get somebody on board with you and you, you make each other better. Within the family of a locker room, going back into your early days in, in, in high school, Pop Warner, college, whatever, who who when, when did the light go on for you? Like, was there somebody that you learned from, a teammate or a coach, and learned what leadership was all about, and you kind of sat back and said, oh, okay, that's how it's done. Yeah, I, I think two, two, two guys that, you know, that, that really stand out in my life and my career of a, a leader it would be, first, my big brother, Reggie Ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the quarterback in our, in our high school, and he was my quarterback all life, uh, all of our mm-hmm. lives. And, uh, you know, the way, the way he, he was a vocal as well as lead by example guy. I mean, he got me up. He showed me that getting up at 4.30 in the morning you know, 5 a.m. in the morning workouts, you know, that's just good, but it's not good enough. He showed me everybody can do that. Everybody gets up at 5 a.m. and mm-hmm. uh, puts in the work. He showed me how to, you know, put in that extra work, put in, you know, get get out with guys and get, you know, get each other better, you know what I mean? And um, another guy would be Sean Taylor, who was probably oh, the, the yeah. quietest, the quietest, meanest son of a gun on the earth. Uh, yeah. And he was, in my opinion, he is one of the top three football players ever. Mm-hmm. Um but the guy is like I say, he's quiet. He's very humble. He's soft spoken, but you know, once he put a helmet on, he stepped in those lines. Uh, I think I think it speaks for itself. Well, so you saw what it was like home field advantage when the building was filled at Rogers Center when mm-hmm. it was filled for the Grey Cup. Absolutely. There's an opportunity now for the Argo fans who are you know kind of on the fence. They don't go to every game. Do I go to this one? Do I not go to this one? You make the sales pitch. How much? Will it help the 12 guys on the field at any given time if that building is filled a week from Sunday? If we get BMO to have a pulse, to have a a, a, a shake, just shake this ground, you know what I mean? Let's fill up every seat. Let's, let's sell out. And um, it's going to be the most exciting game of the year. What does, that mean? what does that mean for you when the building is filled and it's going? Especially mean, on the defensive side when fans can make some noise. I can't, I can't explain it, man. I mean, it, mean, it means the most to have 80,000, 70,000 Raven fans backing you on each and every play you make, asking them to get a little louder. We need your help on this second down. Mm-hmm. And the quarterback is out there panicking because he can't hear. The receivers can't hear. I mean, it, it makes so much of a world of a difference when S.J. Green catches that touchdown and the, and the building erupts. You know what I mean? When James Wilder busts open one of those runs and the building erupts, I mean, it takes all the energy from the other team. The guys, the guys feed off of it. We love it. We feed off of it. I mean, we just, we just really need it. It's in a huge advantage for us, though. Absolutely. And are they going to see six on the field? We'll see. 
We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> positive, positive we'll see. thoughts. They we'll call it the six for a reason, right? That's right. They That's call right. it the six for a reason. We're going to hold down the six. Believe uh, it. I'm looking forward to seeing you back on the field in the East Final. Thanks so much for doing this, pal. Really Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Thank the, you, Mike. The one and only Marcus Ball. Uh, when we come back, JJ's back, and we will uh, break down what's going to happen and who the Argos may be playing in a couple of weeks. Uh, so we continue with the Double Blue Podcast. It's the Double Blue Podcast, episode 19. Mike Hogan and Jeff Johnson with you, getting ready for the East Final on November the 19th. The breakfast tailgate at 9, the kickoff at 1. Um, from an arg- Oh, by the way, Marcus Ball's awesome. No kidding. We talked about leadership quite a bit. Um, when you looked at him as a leader, and you were a, a leader as well, um, when you look at Marcus Ball, what were his standout leadership qualities through your eyes? Well, I'm a big uh, advocate of um, you keep your mouth shut unless your stuff is pretty close to perfect, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, if you've got a good point to make, fine, that's one thing. But um, if you're making a lot of mistakes, then you shouldn't be saying a lot. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. In any walk of life. In any walk of life. But in, you know what, a lot of athletes don't get that, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of people don't get that, right? They criticize others and meanwhile, you know, look in the mirror. So he thing, walks right? it and he talks it. That's right. He walks it and he talks it. Marcus yeah. Ball, um, he speaks. Uh, he's when he speaks, he's got something intelligent to say, um, and uh, he lays it all out there. Like he, his one hundred percent effort is given when he goes on the field. Mm-hmm. And right there, you gotta you respect the guy, right? He's doing his best. And but, sorry, go ahead. You're, no, I was gonna say, but. Is it unusual because we saw Alex Anthony puts together the videos, uh, spectacular videos that the yeah. Argonauts put out, um, and they they often, if not every game, show Trustman in the room before the game. Uh, they'll show the players before the game. Is it unusual for an injured player to go front and center? Because Marcus yelling, today's the day mm-hmm. before the game, and everybody just reacting and screaming like crazy. Is it unusual for a guy who's not in the lineup to take that role? It could be hard. Yeah. yeah. I think it is a little unusual, because I remember when I was injured. You wanted to stay in the back. I wanted to, yeah. And However, your team needs that guy, because he's a leader on yes. and off the field. The, the team needs that guy to continue can... to be a, a leader, play a leadership role. It's hard for the player internally when you're hurt to feel like you, you know, hey, you, you still have a role there and you still should be contributing mm-hmm. even though you're not on the field, mm-hmm. right? So it, uh, I, I saw that piece that you're talking about where Marcus, uh, you know, led the team mm-hmm. and I thought it was awesome, mm-hmm. right? Because he's doing that whether he's on the field or off the field and the guys are receptive to it and they also know that He's do you know he's not on the field because he can't be on the field, mm-hmm. um, and he's speaking from his heart, right? And uh, and I I think uh, it, it speaks volumes when when he's able to do that and and the guys buy into it too, right? Because the guys you know if, if someone's doing that and they're and it's not real, um, the guys can read right through it, mm-hmm. right? Marcus Ball's not that guy. He you know his heart's on his sleeve. Um, you know what you're going to get with Marcus and it's basically everything he's got mm-hmm. right off the field in the, in the film room on the field, you know, and, uh, and he delivers. So I, I think it's pretty awesome that he was able to, that, you know, that, that, that he did that and they captured that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so our thanks again to Marcus Ball for, for showing up. Uh, now they don't know who they're going to play yet. No. We know the Eastern final is going to be here again, November 19th, Sunday afternoon. Um, 
but we don't know if they're going to be playing Ottawa or Saskatchewan. Yep. Who's preferable? From an Argo perspective, is there a matchup that works a little bit better, or at this stage, does it matter at all? Well, uh, if you just look at matchups and mm-hmm. you just look at X's and O's, um, I think the team's probably leaning towards preferring to play Ottawa. Sinopoli right. out of the lineup is obviously advantageous yeah. to Saskatchewan this week. I, I think uh, Saskatchewan brings a little bit more from a defensive perspective. They, you the know, Chris Jones approach. Their special teams is very good. They're very physical. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're, um, yeah, no question the Chris Jones effect. Offensively, uh, there's a lot of moving parts there. You know, Bridge seems to be playing some good football. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's seemed to bring almost bring a spark to that offense. Uh, you know, the, Chad Owens is back on the lineup there, and he's doing a lot for that offensive group. And if Deron uh, Carter's in the lineup on uh, the offensive side of the football as opposed to corner, that's or right. playing both, you just you don't know. That's right, and he's making plays on both sides, mm-hmm. right? So, um, uh, you know, but I don't think it's just all about X's and O's. I don't think it's just all about matchups. I, I don't think you can go into the into that game looking at it from a with with blinders on. I think there's other things to consider, mm-hmm. uh, and and I think. Um, to be honest, I think Ottawa has so much to play for with where the Grey Cup being in Ottawa this year, the 150th Grey Cup. There is so much pride in that in that locker room, knowing, you know, considering that the city that is every, it feels like almost every person in that city, just like Saskatchewan. You know, you think of Saskatchewan and that whole province corner mm-hmm. to corner is behind that football team. Well, Ottawa now, having hosting this Grey Cup, what it means to that city, it just it, it you can't I, you can't describe it. Like there's mm-hmm. such an, a buzz there about this about that Grey Cup, and I just think that intangible um, brings a lot to the table to each individual guy. That everybody should be no question. This is a playoffs preparing for, but you know if there's somebody that's thinking about I don't know doing something extra or maybe maybe you know is thinking about putting in a little extra work. I, I think everybody's going to do absolutely everything mm-hmm. that they can to prepare for that game. But but at the same time, you know, call me skeptical. Um, as a professional athlete, you want to win. Yeah. As a professional athlete, you're going to do everything you can to prepare yourself mentally and physically to be in the best position to win. Well, you should. Uh, and just the adrenaline alone should be enough. I'm not really a believer in raw-raw. Like, I mean, Mark Tressman could go into the room before a game and pick an inanimate object and talk about a toaster. And if he did it in the right way, everybody would want to go out and win for the toaster. Sure. Right? It's about sure. the speech. Do you guys really need that? I mean, do you no, need it's that? No, it's not raw-raw, but it's, it's just so much what the game means, the, the, the meaning with the city. And uh, but I, it should, I just it think there's mean, a big should, emotional component. But it should mean whether the game is, like, to me... The 2017 Grey Cup doesn't mean anything more to the Ottawa Red Blacks playing at home than it does to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders or the Toronto Argonauts or Calgary or Winnipeg or Edmonton. That's the end goal. And I don't think, you know, you played at home. You played, you played in Ottawa. Did it matter it was in Ottawa? You just wanted to get to the damn game. Listen, the only reason I'm coming with this is that the 100th Grey Cup. You did know, it really having that, you know, yes, it, yeah, really? yes, it did. I mean, when you think of... <laughs> what it meant to the country and it, like i mean maybe it doesn't mean anything it's just that maybe a label across a newspaper sure. but the pride that you feel inside when you think that i'm going to compete for the 100th gray cup 100th gray cup of this game in this country 
Yeah, it means a little bit more inside. Okay. It means something. Does that mean anything it, when you're playing in Montreal the week before or when you're playing a home game against Edmonton the week before that? Re- really? That's there? I, I find I just find that odd. I find it because guys are so committed to winning. I, sure. I, yeah. I mean, I guess some guys would yeah. react different ways, right? I mean, I, don't get me wrong. You're always committed and you're doing everything you can. Mm-hmm. But you just, you know, it, it, there's only one Hunter's Grey Cup. And I, yeah. I get it. There's only one yeah. of the Eastern Final and the Eastern Semi sure. and all those other games. But this is the 100th Great Cup. It's mm-hmm. different. I, I don't care what anybody says. When you okay. look back in the history books, they're like, who won the 100th Great Cup? Okay. Right. Who won the 150th? You know, when Canada turned 150th. I mean, there's just, there's, there's some intangibles there that I, I think some can, can affect um, the locker room a little bit. Not necessarily mm-hmm. um, each individual guy, but I think it, it can affect the, the, the emotion of the team yeah. or, or the it, belief as, as a group. You know, um, the, I think the, it, what it does ex- for, and from an external motivation standpoint, it can do a lot yeah. for the environment. And I, I, I can understand if you are in the middle of September and, you know, you're in Ottawa and the Red Blacks are, and I can't, I don't, I can't remember what the record was in September. Let's say they've hit a little bit of a, a speed bump in midseason, Trevor's hurt, whatever it is. I can see Rick Campbell kind of playing that card and say, guys, you know, we got to suck, we got to get going here. This is the 150th, this is a big event in this country. And we want to be there. Like, I can see that being used externally, not necessarily week of, but I can see that being used in mid-season mm-hmm. more so than that, just as a motivational tool um, when the season seems like it's really long and never going to end. And you know better than anybody what that's like when, you know, you're day 100 into this and mm-hmm. trying to, you don't know, you just can't wait for the playoffs to come, especially if you've already basically clinched a playoff spot. You just, you don't want to get hurt and you want to play and the days just run together. You're right. But I mean, I also know a locker room of 65 people and there's going to be a couple guys in there that maybe are, are, have had enough of football for the rest of the season. Yeah. And I'm telling you, as much as we don't want to say that, I can guarantee it. A few guys are like, I can't wait till the season ends. The guys who are starting. Oh, absolutely. Right. And that intangible might make a difference in what that guy, how that guy feels. That's fair. Right. And, okay. you know, and so I'm talking about unifying the entire yeah. group. The frontline guys are going to go out and play anyway. The frontline, yeah, exactly. Okay. But I'm talking about guys sense. in the periphery okay. and guys that, um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I think it's up, about you're trying to get that entire locker room buzzing. And I yeah. think that, you know, okay. is an intangible that can get the entire unit going. You're listening to the Double Blue podcast. I'm Mike Hogan along with Jeff Johnson. Okay. Now we got to get the, uh, the, the, the city of Toronto going. And when we did this a week ago, at the end, I talked about. Um, how important it would be to fill the building. And one way to do it would be to have everybody who's a part of that core 12,000 that goes to every game um, and who have already committed to going to the game on the 19th, bringing somebody with them. Yeah. And I don't mean somebody. So if you've got a, a core group of five of you who go every game, grab five more people who don't go every game. The people who go once a game, haven't been to a game at BMO, but have heard it's a pretty neat experience, or somebody who's uh, an NFL fan but not really into the CFL. Those are the kind of people you grab. You go, you grab five of them. And I just I say that at the end of the week. Say, okay, you know, the math is simple. If we got base of twelve, double at twenty-four, you basically sell out BMO. So I say that last week, and I get two or three people quickly on Twitter saying, "Heard it, great idea." Already grabbed four more people. We have a base yes. of two. I've got four. We're bringing six. <laughs> and this happens three or four times. Yeah. Okay, that's great. 
So we go, there's a, there's a, if you're not familiar with the forum, it's uh, argofans.com and they have a message board. And I just went in there and said, okay, you guys are mad at the media and Argo fans are mad at the media, right? Because, oh, we don't get enough coverage. Oh, okay. I get that. I, I can buy that. It's, it's certainly true in some cases. And uh, I just said, okay, here's a media challenge, not to the media, but from the media, me, one guy kind of said what I said, set it up and say, here's the challenge. If you have a group of two, grab two other people. You wouldn't believe the response I've gotten from that, from Twitter. A couple of people have already retweeted That's it. That's fantastic. And it's, you know, hey, if this puts an extra few hundred people in the seats, good. Cargo advantage. So there's, Absolutely. in case you haven't seen this on social media, and you can follow me at TSN Mike Hogan. And I'll, I'll start posting this even more so next week as we get closer to the game. If you're an Argo fan and you go to the games on a regular basis, or even if you're a peripheral fan who's, eh, I don't know, you heard Marcus Ball in the previous segment talk about how important it is to get that building jumping, especially on defense. When it gets loud and throws off the offense, that can be a major contributor to the football game coming up. That's right. And just, if you're going, phone somebody who's a sports fan or goes every once in a while and say, come on with me. We might not be able to sit together, especially if you have season tickets already. Sit in the upper deck for 30 bucks, and we'll meet before the game. We'll go down to the tailgate at 9 o'clock in the morning, mm -hmm. and then we'll go to Liberty Village after the game and have a celebratory or a, hopefully not the case, but a you know postseason beverage. You want the celebratory beverage. You've been to parties after a, after a playoff win. I've been to parties after a playoff win. They're spectacular. <laughs> Just... You know, go to the game, bring some yes. friends, make this loud, and make it a home field advantage for the Argos. Hey, listen, call your friend up and say, hey, listen, let's go out and watch an Argo team, mm -hmm. an Argo team that has 10 All-Stars on it, an yeah. Argo team that has probably a few players wearing the double blue um, that might be the best that have worn the double blue. Ricky Ray right? has made an argument. Ricky Ray's going to the Hall of Fame, uh, and I wrote about this for the website. This is arguably the best season of Ricky Ray's 15 years in the CFL. That's unbelievable. For a guy who they had basically put on the scrap heap at the end of last year, who didn't know if he was coming back to Toronto this year. That's right. And if he was, would he be competing for a backup job? Incredible. And here he is. I don't know what the final, do you have the final number? 5,000, whatever, 5,200, 5,300 yards, whatever it was. Yeah. I got, yeah. You've you're, got the uh, numbers in front of you. No, I mean, it was in there somewhere 27 or whatever the number of touchdown passes were. His numbers are crazy. You know, he, he was over 5,000 yards, third, third QB uh, in history to do that four seasons in his career, yeah. right? Over 5,000 yards. Uh, 300 plus touchdowns in his career. Seven play He's the seventh player to achieve that. He's uh, 13 games this year, over 300 yards, tied for second uh, all time. All time. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> and he missed a game and a half. Missed a game and a half. He's number one in completion percentage or in completions, 474 this year. Third all time. Third all time. I think he was seven behind Henry Burris and five behind the second guy on the list, Ricky Ray. So he almost yeah. caught himself. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Yeah, 5,546 yards passing. Wow. Second in the league. Second in the league in touchdowns at 28. Tied 28. for first in completion percentage at 71%. Unreal. Right, unreal numbers. Not and this offense is fun to watch. No. And, and, and on that, who's the guy on the other side, S.J. Green, yeah. who led the CFL in receptions over 20-plus yards. And first in 20-plus yards. Coming from a catches. QB that is traditionally throwing dink and dunk passes. Yeah. Yeah. That's not the case this year. No. And a big part of the reason, S.J. Green. That's right. Who had the best season of his career. Think about that one. How good he was in Montreal. S.J. killed every team. We say Argo killer. 
You go to Winnipeg, they'll go, oh, S.J. Green, bomber killer. You go to B.C., oh, S.J. Green, lion's killer. Like, he killed every team in the league. Best season of his career this year with it, the Argos. In receptions and yards. Yes. 104, 104 receptions for 1,462 yards and 10 touchdowns to boot. Fifth best season in Argo history in terms of sort of the both. Over 100 catches. It's incredible. And this is a coming this is off This guy who couldn't walk at the end of the year. A knee injury last year that he, you know, there was a chance he might not play football mm-hmm. again. Unbelievable. So you've got these stories with Bear Woods who didn't get the all-star. <laughs> right. <laughs> you yeah, know, sure. Just because of what Dean was doing down in Hamilton. Yeah, I get that. Who had yeah, a, he had a hell of a year. season as well. Yep. But we rolled out all the all-stars, 10 all-stars. It's an entertaining – James Wilder Jr., not an all-star. Do you Just want to, to get, get into he, James Wilder, the way he runs when he gets that football? Like, come on, that's entertainment right there. Yes. Each time he touches the ball, it's like, okay, what's he going to do? Yes. Right. What's he going to do? Is he going to run around him or right. through him? Yes. Or is he going to is he going to throw a straight arm on him? Is he going to hurdle him? Is he going to drag somebody? This, I mentioned this again uh, online or to somebody. This is the most fun, and this is no disrespect to your 2012 team. Nope. This is the most fun I've had watching an Argo offensive unit since Flutie was here. Like well, this, for me too. This, this is fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. Like, it really is. Every single player, like, Just, okay, what's going to happen? Yes. Oh, okay, Edwards gets the ball. What's he going to do? Oh, SJ's got it. What's he going to do? Oh, Devere's got it. What's he going to do? Oh, Declan Cross. Oh, unbelievable. You don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think the last game there was, what, eight eight different receivers yes. we can move the ball around to? Oh, Martise Jackson out of the backfield. Oh, there's... Okay, so I'll see you at, uh, at the uh, pre-tailgate breakfast we'll have breakfast at like six o'clock because we'll both be awake yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) you can leave kelly with the kids i like my eggs over easy (laughs) (laughs) you deal with them and uh and we'll meet and uh we'll do them maybe we how about this we make a point of going to the tailgate at some point in the pregame let's do it how about that yep we'll make that promise right now we'll go over and uh and we'll celebrate and and get ready for the argo playoff game uh, if that means we have to get to the uh, to the barn a little bit earlier to get a little bit That's more fine. work done, sure, we'll do that, and then we'll go and celebrate the East Final with the uh, with the fans. Go grab a coffee. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Um, that's uh, edition number 19 of the Double Blue Podcast. Again, thank you to Marcus Ball for uh, for showing up and uh, uh, a rather interesting conversation with one of the more likable guys uh, that you could ever possibly uh, cheer for if you're an Argo fan. Uh, Jacob is on the other side. How do we do, Jacob? Oh, okay. We got the horns. Who's good? That's good. He gave us a hook of horns from the other side. Jacob Dearlove is our <laughs> producer. Thank you for listening. Um, for everybody involved, this has been episode 19 of the Double Blue Podcast.